So I'm sitting inside this stone clock tower in the small town of Castellar Lagusello in Italy. It's pretty old, like 800 years old. I had found a nook in this tower where I could sit and record this ethereal music coming from the speaker in front of me. And through the slit of a window behind me, I could watch Italians mill about below. So, Timmy, why are you being a recluse in this tower instead of talking with people on the ground? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, fair, it's a fair question. Um, I was gathering tape to be played on this podcast, um, but it was also my last day at the universe in all senses. It's an astronomy festival, and I was pooped. For three days, I ran around this tiny picturesque town capturing what was likely the first multi-sensory astronomy festival ever. Oh yeah, does this uh, sound familiar? Yes, that's Matt Brusso's Trappist One sonification that we listened to in the first episode. Yeah. The festival organizers rigged up the clock tower to play a bunch of sonifications on a loop. And then at night, they'd project visualizations of these compositions onto the face of the clock tower. You're listening to Scientific American's Science Quickly. I'm Jason Drakeford. And I'm Timmy Broderick. In the prior episode of this three-part fascination, we dove into the origins of turning space data into sound. In this final episode, we're traveling to Italy to see whether astronomical sonifications can help people with disabilities better understand the awe and wonder of the cosmos. Okay, so I'm walking around. 4,000 people at once is a lot. Okay, so how did you hear about this festival? In January, I wrote a story about this burgeoning movement in astronomy. One of my sources for that story was Anita Zanella. She's an Italian astronomer who grew up playing with her relatives on the stone streets of Castellaro Lagusella. She told me about the festival. Castellaro has a lot of historical buildings. The villa and the lake uh, are a typical one. Uh, the other important point for this little village is the tower, which is really the, the key part of the, the heart of the village. Castellaro has been holding an astronomy festival for a couple of years now. But this is the first time it's really been multi-sensory. Every workshop, every talk, every event, all of them were available in at least two senses. Inclusion is the main focus uh, this year. So being able to share the knowledge and the beauty of astronomy and uh, the beauty of the universe with uh, whoever, irrespective of disability and uh, sensory uh, limitations. They also had these like giant QR code-like signs set up around the festival to help blind people navigate and understand a workshop or exhibit. Uh-huh. It's pretty wild. My phone picked up the code from like 10 feet away. Whoa, this is so cool. Yeah. The highlight of the first evening was the keynote panel with Anita and two visually impaired astronomers, Nick Bon and Enrique Perez Montero. You probably remember Enrique from our last episode, but the three of them discussed how to build a multi-sensory discovery of the sky above us. Uh, 
After the discussion, I talked with Claudia Besky. She's 25, hails from nearby Montava, wants to be a translator, and just completed graduate school. She found the discussion fascinating. She's also been blind since birth. I, d- I didn't think it was possible to translate uh, galaxies into sounds. I felt like uh, nature was talking to me. <laughs> I believe that nature has its own sounds. And listening to that sound, uh, it was as if that galaxy was telling something to me. Like this galaxy was describing itself to me. <laughs> Wow. The galaxy was speaking to her. This is wild. Yeah, I was actually really moved by that conversation, and it stuck with me throughout the festival. And so the next day was the first, like, full day. There was a lot going on. We had a bunch of workshops happening. We had a radio wave scavenger hunt. We had comet smelling. There was crafting galaxies out of felt and other fabrics. And also, last but definitely not least, uh, banging pots and pans to represent stellar energies. All of the workshops were staffed by local kids who could teach the attendees and especially the young kids who came. Elisa Zaltieri goes to high school in Mantova, and she ran the Pots and Pans station. Yeah. It's an activity about how stars are actually different. We make child play pots, actually. So what are you going to have these kids do? Um, We have to make them recognize how stars are different. Mm -hmm. And then we have to make them play like if they were stars. We were trying to explain them that the biggest star play the hardest and the smallest play lower, actually, because they are less energy. So if you play really loudly, you'll have more energy. If you play really softly, you'll have less energy. While the festival was ostensibly for kids, there were many workshops and events for adults. I'm Mattia, 33, and I'm from Verona, quite close by. Mattia came to the festival for a couple of reasons. He knows one of the organizers, but he is also passionate about astronomy. He's a hardcore Trekkie as well. Uh, I met him at one of the workshops. He was creating a kind of patch made from different fabric textures. It was supposed to represent different parts of a galaxy. Well, it's uh, smooth and kind of wavy. It's not really yeah, soft, but not really smooth. Kind of the mu- uh, like the music we listened to before. It was a, a piece played on the piano. It was, yeah, a soft piece, but also, of course, p- played with the piano, it also had kind of a, a certain rhythm to it. So these little waves, at least to me, they represent this softness, softness but also this movement. Mattia has been visually impaired since birth. His version of space is definitely not the inky black expanse that you or I perceive it as. I know the stars are classified like yellow dwarfs, red giants, and in my head I imagine them quite with vivid colors, but I have no idea if they're like basically white with a slight shade of 
yellow or red or whatever, or if they are as vivid as I imagine them. So what did you think? Was the festival successful? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm not sure. It was definitely fun. Like, everyone I saw was having a great time and really engaged with astronomy. But I, I didn't really see many people using those giant QR codes. Um, I know that there was bus trouble that kept many local blind and you know, partially sighted people from coming to Castellaro. Were there a lot of visually impaired people there? I don't know how many of the 4,000 attendees were blind or visually impaired. Neither do the festival organizers. That's just unknowable. What I do know is that for the blind people I talked with, for Claudia, for Mattia, the festival and the sonifications were really helpful. Claudia was there for one night, but she was thrilled by what she heard. I don't know if I see the world in a different way in the future, but um, I'm sure that this experience, in a way, um, told something positive to me. Because I love nature. Uh, I think that nature uh, speaks to us in every way possible. And these translations into sound and into tactile mode is a really good way to get in touch with nature, especially for us because we, we, can't, we can't see how nature is really made of. Science Quickly is produced by Jeff Dovizio, Talika Bose, Kelso Harper, and Corinne Leon. Our theme music is composed by Dominic Smith. Matt Russo provided the sonifications you heard in this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to Science Quickly wherever you get your podcasts. For more in-depth science and news features, go to scientificamerican.com. And if you like the show, give us a rating or review. For Scientific American Science Quickly, I'm Timmy Broderick. And I'm Jason Drakeford. See you next time.